Percy, we always meet someone new on Health, Hope, and Inspiration, but are you willing to tell me your own story today? Well, the tables have turned for us to have a discussion. Let's talk about me, and I'm willing to do that, my friend. Absolutely. All right, let's get started. The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Come with us now for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And this is a special edition of our program today, and we're going to get right after it here. Percy, I look forward to talking with you. Well, before we get into that conversation, we got to start with Scripture. That's what we stand on, and that's what we utilize. So Isaiah, the sixth chapter, verses 5 and we're going to read all the way down through uh, the ninth verse, and it'll frame uh, our conversation today very well and how I have felt. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin has been purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on saying, but do not perceive. Boy, I love that passage, the imagery. there, just wonderful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And that leads me to our question this week that we'd like to ask our listeners. Did your cancer journey introduce or clarify a godly calling in your life? Did your cancer journey introduce or clarify a godly calling in your life? Answer that question if you would. Be so kind to answer at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on connect and you'll be able to type in your response there. Percy, we're going to hear your personal story here today. But first, if anyone listening is concerned that you or someone you love may have cancer, consider reaching out to Cancer Treatment Centers of America for personalized diagnostic services. Cancer Treatment Centers of America is a comprehensive cancer care network that treats the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or call 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-4673. Well, Percy, we've known each other for a few years now, yeah. and we have talked about just about every aspect of cancer care and treatment and uh, caregivers and uh, so many different aspects of it. But the cancer conversation has shifted and become personal for you. Interestingly enough, you're right. We, You and I have now uh, worked together in doing some great work with regard to talking about cancer and, and, and talking the walk of cancer. I have worked in this field for 24 years, servicing and uh, supporting uh, cancer patients at their bedside, praying with them, visiting them at homes, uh, at the uh, time of intensive care unit stays, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but 
But the difference this time is that I now am a member of the club. (laughs) Well, Percy, before we unpack your membership in that cancer club, let's talk a little bit more about your career in the cancer community. Well, you know, my career at CTCA uh, has different uh, benchmarks to them. Uh, I started out uh, the chaplain, Mm -hmm. one of the chaplains at at our facility uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I get the impression you really love that work, don't you? You know, it was it was new. It was different. And it was very much not part of uh, my precept of ministry. I, I, I came from a very classically trained background of pastoring one of my great uncles. Uh, pastored one of the larger congregations on the south side of Chicago back in the 50s and the 60s. And so, you know, when I finally accepted and wrestled with being called to ministry, which is another story within (laughs) itself, uh, you know, that was my that was my thought and belief. And I did actually pastor a local congregation for a season. Uh, But my the bulk of my my ministry career has been at the bedside of cancer patients as a chaplain. And then I moved from there to become the director of chaplains at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America in in the Chicago Regional Cancer Center. And then from there became the national director of faith-based services for the organization. Well, the reason I wanted to uh, have an understanding of what you've done to help people through the years, you've, you've been the one to come alongside the person who gets a cancer diagnosis and to really counsel them and talk with them and pray with them if they want that. But now uh, the tables turned recently, didn't they? The tables did turn. And uh, ironically, as it turned out, you know, I was diagnosed uh, with early stage one colon cancer, uh, July 22nd of uh, 2019. I had experienced some symptoms. I was having some digestive issues and uh, bloating and belching and and then some episodes of, of loose bowel that just weren't consistently correct. Uh, had a colonoscopy, and sure enough, I had a um, was found a uh, 4.4 centimeter size uh, growth uh, tumor on the right side of my colon, and we weren't sure if it was cancerous or not, but we knew there was something there. Mm-hmm. After the surgery, the pathology showed that I had stage one adenocarcinoma, a form of cancer, and as of that day, I started officially now walking the talk instead of talking the walk. You've been a rock for so many people for so long. Um, Cancer patients, their families, you've been offering spiritual guidance and help during that time. You've offered such great encouragement. And now you're in need of that encouragement yourself. And uh, this has a happy ending because uh, they they got it all, didn't they? They did. Uh, Just a couple of quick clinical things. Uh, A CT of the abdomen and the chest was done. Uh, and they were all clear of cancer. Okay. Uh, 64 lymph nodes were removed and biopsied during surgery. You wanted and to see if the cancer had spread. That's correct. Yeah. All of that pathology came back clean and clear, no cancer. The margins of where the actual surgery took place and the resection, all clear, no sign of malignancy of disease. And good news. Well, there's so many things to talk about here. First of all, you listened to your body. You mm. were experiencing some symptoms And you didn't just ignore them. So let's start at the top. And this is important. We've been talking about this. Now you are the interviewee. Yeah. And and I have literally heard every cancer story, every diagnosed story uh, from patients, from physicians, from caregivers that one can, can possibly imagine. And so one of the things that, you know, has been drummed into my subconscious, and as I now tell people, 
quite frankly, I've been in a dress rehearsal and practicing for this moment for 24 years. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they call a fire drill a fire drill. Mm-hmm. Because you need to you need to work through some things to think about before an actual scenario happens. I've literally have had this discussion. Uh, I've presented information in seminars, radio interviews, TV interviews, talking about number one: always pay attention to your body. And so I had some symptoms, and I knew something wasn't right. And you know, and so I immediately went to my physician and said, "I think something's going on here, and we need to do some tests." And so you're exactly right. I did not ignore that. I did not try to brush that off. I didn't try to just pray that away. Uh, I did pray, and I did pray that believing things would get better, but I also uh, paid attention, and I was looking and listening. So there's a scripture that says, watch as well as pray. Pray with one eye open, I like to say. Yeah, I want to close my eyes when I pray, but I'm keeping one of them open so I can kind of look at what's going on around me. And that's exactly what we did. And and we reacted and responded as quickly as services could be put in place to do so. And that's how we initially found out that there was something definitely there and there wasn't any guesswork at that point. Another important lesson, though, is screening, uh, because you did have the colonoscopy. That is correct. In fact, that was my second colonoscopy that I'd had done. And it was done one year earlier, basically, than scheduled because of my symptoms. Everyone should know and remember, colonoscopies are very common as an outpatient procedure. So many of us put those off as long as we possibly can. Well, we have this perception, Wayne, about what we think certain things are and aren't. And I can tell you on both occasions... Uh, of my colonoscopy, it's funny, and my wife would be able to attest to this even better, before you actually are put out under anesthesia, you know, they are talking to you, and next thing you know, you're just literally, you're out. And and in recovery, I wake up on both occasions, and I say to my wife, so when are we going to start? She says, it's done. It's over with. You have no idea of, you feel nothing. You are completely uh, under And it is a process that is done and a procedure that is done that is painless uh, and effortless in that regard, but so vital and so important. Mm -hmm. Um, The importance of family and loved ones. I mean, when you got that uh, initial news that there's something there we need to take care of and you didn't know whether it was cancerous or not, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty scary time. And how did everybody handle it? It was interesting. You know, I, I uh, this may be the most interesting uh, element of um, things that I'll probably be talking about uh, very directly and, and, and trying to provide some insight to people, too, because uh, everyone has to kind of figure out, number one, how you are wired as an individual. And as an individual, I'm a drama-free individual. I don't like drama around me. I don't like creating dramatic moments around me. I like to keep things very structured. I am a classic type A personality, so that means I am a classic control freak. (laughs) I want to manage and control everything, and I don't want anything to be mismanaged by anyone that I do not give permission to to have access. And so I first started out by uh, communicating to a very small circle of family and friends uh, strategically. And, and started there. I knew that eventually that I would open and widen that parameter of people that I would communicate this to, but I wanted to start first with a very small control group. And, and I, I picked certain individuals to speak to and certain individuals not to speak to based upon their personality types and based upon how they react to uh, unfavorable information. Because one of the things that I knew 
firsthand is that cancer patients do not need to be inundated with other people's negative dynamics Mm. because you are trying to literally uh, process and come to terms with where you are in relationship to that. So let me back up a step. Initially, uh, uh, the GI that I saw uh, where I live in South Florida. A GI is? a, A gastroenterologist, which in the area where I was living, I was not familiar with anyone in that community. Because my uh, gastroenterologist of 18 years was back in Chicago, and I live now, of course, in South Florida. And so I knew that that was a pretty standard procedure. So I had that procedure done by someone that I was not familiar with, but I was pretty confident in the standardization of having that procedure done that I I did not need to go back home to do that. Had that procedure done, uh, great guy, had great bedside manner. As a matter of fact, he struggled and stammered on the telephone to kind of give me more information after the fact. And I had to tell him, Doc, just spit it out. I, I can just, just you know, tell me what's going on, and, and then I'll take it from there. Once I had that information that, yeah, there is definitely something there that needs to be removed, uh, then I proceeded to first sit down and just have a moment with myself. I never had a moment of, of mental of failing or emotional failure, as I like to say, or even fear. But I had to come to a conscious acceptance of this reality now is my reality. Boy, that's so important. And, and so uh, it was ironic that um, my wife and I had our grandchildren who came down from Chicago to spend a week with us a week after uh, the colonoscopy, which is when I got the follow-up phone call. And so I have family and I have our young grandkids. They're playing in the pool and everyone's having a wonderful time. And of course, grandma is in heaven. And so I did not want to disrupt the moment of family time based upon what information was dropped in Mm -hmm, my lap at mm -hmm. that moment. So I actually had a week to kind of process that alone and by myself. And here's the takeaway from that, Wayne. I came away from that not asking why me, never angry or upset with God or even with the process, but coming to the terms of I was not terribly surprised. And quite frankly, on in many different ways, I sort of expected it to be cancer. Hmm. And I expected it to be cancer because of this reason. And many people may or may not be able to process this, but based upon 24 years of really uh, this really being my life's work, Uh, I actually accepted this as being part of the purpose and the plan and the pathway for me from a ministry perspective. I actually told God, this is probably what should be happening to me because I have been very vehement and very um, outspoken as a cheerleader about cancer and treatment and being faithful and and being hopeful. Very optimistic. Uh, Very optimistic. Well, it's easy to say that until you have an opportunity to actually do that. Yeah. And so then now it's my turn, and I had to sit down and say, today, Percy, are you going to be that guy, or are you just going to pretend to be that guy? There's an important point here, because everybody processes this differently. That's correct. And, and you had a, a particular way that you needed to kind of pull in and digest this yourself. That's correct. Before taking it to the wider world. That is correct. Other people, it may be different, but we have to give each other room. That's the point, isn't and it? And this is the beauty of this, is that this is not a cookie-cutter way to respond in everybody's scenario and where they are and their mental uh, sensibilities in relationship to their, their life, of their path that they've traveled, their relationship with God, how they see the, their worldview around them. For me, being Reverend Percy McCray, as one of my dear friends said, the great, mighty Reverend Percy McCray now has cancer. Hmm. 
all the things that you've talked about all these years, all the things that we've talked about together, it, or, it all sort of comes together, doesn't it, when you go through it yourself? It does. And so it takes me back to the point that this may not necessarily be true for any other person who has been diagnosed with cancer, but it is my truth and I, I've embraced it to be the truth for me that I believe that this was in part uh, part of the assignment. I am not saying that God gave me cancer. I want to be very clear because I can already hear the theological wheels <laughs> spinning and debates that may... We've had whole uh, discussions about absolutely. that. Absolutely. I am not saying or suggesting, nor do I believe that God gave me cancer. But I do believe, again, just like anybody else walking the earth who has been diagnosed with cancer, that, <laughs> I, that, I, that was allowed to happen in my life and it was allowed to happen for a purpose and for a reason. And I believe specifically the purpose for me was that uh, I have been so close to this community and so many of my colleagues and friends and constituents are cancer patients and former cancer patients that I had to become part of the crowd. I had to become a member of the team yeah. to be able to be more authentic. Not that I was ever un inauthentic. I was going to say you've always been that way, though. Based upon what I had seen third party. You know, a bit hands off. This is not what I've done. This is not what I've had to walk through. This is what I've experienced uh, watching others. This was different in terms of, I believe, the Lord was saying, here's an opportunity that I need you to be able to speak to this subject from a very firsthand perspective that will be a blessing and that will make a difference in the lives of people. Because inevitably, Wayne, uh, when I've sat across the table from professionals like you who have interviewed me, I've always been asked the question, well, how did you get into this type of ministry? Have you ever been directly touched by cancer? My answer has always been no. And so there was always this kind of, and you could see the perplexed look on the interviewer's face where I'm not really sure I understand why you're doing this. And it, it was a difficult connection to make. Uh, but today, what I can certainly say with all genuine authenticity is the fact that I am now, I have to walk that walk as well as talk the walk and walk the talk. And that I'm now genuinely in the club and I'm a, I'm a legitimate member. And I actually count that a privilege because many cancer patients and today, I think, are now owning the fact that I am no longer a victim. I haven't mm. been victimized mm -hmm. by cancer. Uh, I am now taking cancer as kind of a badge of honor that is propelling me into a different consciousness of who I am and how I choose to be with people around me. And isn't this the lesson for everyone listening? to embrace whatever trial you're going through, to embrace it, not to reject it, but to embrace it and look for God's purpose behind it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the theological debate that is spinning in people's heads right now is uh, unpacking and defining the word embrace or owning. So let's let's kick that can around oh, okay. for a second. All right. um, and when I say, well, or when you say embrace your cancer, I'm embracing my cancer. I'm not owning the fact that, you know, ooh, wee, I've got cancer. No. And, you know, oh, no, you're man. Not, you're not celebrating. No, none of that. I'm embracing the uh, what comes with that the experience. reality. And the reality, number one, has to be embraced. There, we can't get into denial. And I've supported many cancer patients who have attempted to work through their diagnosis by getting into a state of denial and trying to substitute. Uh, the reality of their situation with I'm, I'm, I'm being faithful and I'm trusting and I'm using God uh, for my experience. But the fact 
of the matter is, is that you have cancer. So I embrace that fact. Uh, I own that fact. Now, going forward, what I embrace more than that and in, and in light of that is what, come, what can come from that and with that and through that. Uh, God uses all things for his good for those who are called according to his purposes. And I've heard preachers try to disseminate that scripture many different ways. All things work for the good of them, together for the good of them who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I believe that scripture means exactly what it says. All things, all good things, all bad things can work together for the good of those who love God for his purpose. And so I embrace that journey and that path because what I do know, which, which really helped me cheat, I've watched people struggle through finding purpose and meaning and value, and I've seen people at the beginning, in the middle of the end, and I've seen people come out on the other side of their cancer experience, different people, better people, uh, people who are more enlightened, who are more engaged, and the fact of the matter is we all want to be more enlightened. We want to be more engaged. We want to uh, grow and develop. The problem is, as humans, we always want to tell God how to grow us, how to develop us, and what pathway to use to get us there. And we don't get to do that. But God is an opportunist. And at the end of the day, God wants to use us. When we tell people and when we say to ourselves, Lord, use me, I don't think that we really, truly understand what we're giving the Lord license to do in our lives. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that Job was a just and upright man. But God used Job for a purpose. And so for the the cancer guy, you know, people have called me the cancer preacher. You know, the voice of inspiration is what uh, I am referred to by many. I now get a chance to walk that walk, but I've got to embrace the fact that this is part of the path and the journey. And as a result, Wayne, the big takeaway for me is that that simply buoyed me. It empowered me. Mm-hmm. It made me fearless and courageous as a lion. I never had a bad moment because I knew that anything that God allows in our lives, where God leads, God provides, that there would be provision for me. And so now we can get into the family and friends and the reaction. So uh, several different things. My mom, who is the most godly woman on planet Earth, there's not another person like her ever. Uh, I wouldn't be who I am today and I wouldn't be here without the wisdom and the love and the godliness that that was demonstrated to me. Called her, had a conversation, and her quick reaction was, well, you're built for this. Now, this is now this is an example of my mom. No crying. No, you know, come over and let me give you some tea and make a potato salad and a pie. And again, those may all be appropriate responses sure, yeah. for other individuals. But my mom, who is as, as tough as nails, she said, you're built for this. Hmm. Now, I just need to understand, do you understand that? And it's time to step this up to the next level. That was an initial reaction. A dear friend of mine in Charleston, South Carolina, who has had prostate cancer, who I supported through his journey, he uh, received uh, my phone call, and he listened to that, and he was in a concert with his wife. He literally got up and walked out. He said, I could not sit there. He was at a gospel concert, and he said, I wept in the hallway. He said, because I, of all people that I've known, I cannot imagine the great Reverend Percy McRae having cancer. He said, it boggled my mind. He said it took me an hour before I could communicate to my wife. The point that I'm making, there is a varied range of how individuals react and respond. But what came ultimately from all of that was overwhelmingly the love 
and the support of individuals who basically said to me, if anybody is going to have cancer, and if anybody is going to do and say something about this, it's going to be Percy McCray. And that lifted me to a place where I simply was able to say, again, as we've said many times on the end of our show, you know, I've got wood to chop. Let's go get our axe and let's get after it. Here. Got to get after God's it. God's not finished with me yet. God, this is just taking me to the next level. And, and I, of all people... Um, have no right to sit in the and 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 complain or or begrudge the fact that as now my turn one out of three people are estimated to be diagnosed with cancer by the American Cancer Society over their lifetime. Uh, why not me? You just happen to be one of them. And man. I was and I've been prepared for this my entire whole twenty four years of doing this. I've rehearsed for this day. I know you got great support from your wife Anita as well. As a matter of fact, uh, as sometimes happens with caregivers, you know they want to do too much, don't they? So. She she had a quick moment, and it was quick. She had a quick moment because, again, our grandchildren was there, so she was on an emotional high of being, spending time with her grandchildren. We're in the pool. We've, we've gone to the zoo. We've done all kind of great things. And as soon as they left, uh, she said, did you get a phone call from the GI yet? Have you heard from the doc? And I said, well, yeah, I did. And I told her, and she literally stood for a second and just literally froze in her tracks. Mm-hmm. And um, and she had a moment. And then from there, I said, listen, why wouldn't she have? a yeah, moment? She this, had this a moment. Is, this is she had a moment. It wasn't it wasn't highly dramatic. It wasn't overt. But again, for her personality, because she's tough as nails, she's a, I call her a little pit bull because she will. <laughs> she's she's small. But when she digs her heels in, she's not being moved. And so. Once that reality set in and she was with me, obviously, when I had the colonoscopy and she knew that there was a growth there, but she didn't have anything confirmed. Uh, she really had a moment where it froze her in her steps for a second. And then she digested that. And then she said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm making a phone call to, to our guy up in Chicago and we'll start this process from there. And that's exactly what we did. From there, she has hovered over me like she a mother rallied. hen. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and there were times that I literally had to ask her, babe, just give me a little space. Just back up just a little bit. Yeah. But she Would loved you rather it. have it that way than yep. the other way around? She loved though. up on me and she made sure that I was following all of my orders and that I wasn't overexerting myself. And she made sure that I knew that I was loved and cared for. And that's all that, that any caregiver uh, wants to do. And I was I was greatly appreciative of that. What did you learn about yourself? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. What I really learned about myself is what I've always thought about myself. I'm a fighter, you know. Um, I say this respectfully, and and hopefully people can receive this in the spirit in which I give it. Um, I'm a poor black, black kid that grew up on the south side of Chicago, Wayne, and. Uh, And what I've often said, and I haven't said it in a long time, and this was part of the mantra of my mom, she said, though this may be the environment that we live in, we will not allow this environment to live in us. Mm -hmm. I never allowed my environment to dictate who I was as a person. I've always been an overachiever. I've always gone over and beyond anything that someone said I could or could not do or what my circumstances even suggested that I could be. And I worked through a, a history of insecurity and fear growing up as a kid living in a pretty hostile environment. And what that environment forced me to learn how to do was to become a fighter. Not necessarily physically, but mentally and emotionally getting tough. When when difficult things confront you, 
that you've got to make a choice and a decision. Either you acquiesce to that or you figure out a way to work and push through that or work around that or go over that or go through that or under that. And that really developed the character and disposition that I have. And sometimes individuals tend to read me the wrong way, particularly when they back me in a corner because they will see that full force because I will not be moved or I will not be deterred because there is opposite force coming against where I think I need to be and where I'm trying to go. And so with that, what I learned about myself is that I am grounded and rooted in the reality that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, period. And this is a bump in the road, but this is part of the process of further growth and development and the ability to be authentic and genuine in that which I teach, preach, and deliver to people. Because it is my belief that there are a lot of people who are preaching or teaching or delivering messages that they haven't quite lived. And this just accentuates and puts an exclamation point on being the cancer preacher or being the cancer pastor or however people have looked at me over the 24 years, that it it, it placed an exclamation point on the fact that uh, it's time now for you to walk this talk and live this every day so that you can look individuals in the eye and say, listen, I now know what you on some level have or are going through. And at the end of the day, God is good and faithful. For so many years, you've been the one who's dispensed the spiritual help and yeah. encouragement and and fortitude yeah. and, you know, stick to And And now, uh, has this changed how you will talk to other people about what they are going through? Well, it'll, it'll only change in this regard. It'll change the fact that I no longer, I've been asked a million times in, in a million different ways, how did you actually enter into this type of ministry? Because it's a very unorthodox ministry, or it was 24 years ago. If you claim that you had a call of God upon your life, you were either a pastor, a missionary, or an evangelist. That was kind of the three categories. And over the years, we've obviously, you know, have now disseminated that into a much more broader uh dispensation of what ministry consists of, but very few people, if any at that time, were saying that God called them to the ministry of serving cancer patients. Uh, That being said, um, what I can tell you today is, is that I now can stand tall and say that I, because I used to get asked the question all the time, how did you get called into this ministry? Do you know anything about cancer? Have you been touched by cancer? Is there anyone personally that you've known that have had cancer? And for a really long time, my answer used to be no. And so people would think that there was a disconnect on, well, how how have you been such a, a stalwart in the community of talking about cancer and faith? And so... The only thing that has changed as far as I'm concerned, and I'm still early in the game here, is the fact that I get to stand and say that I'm now part of the team. I'm on the, I'm on the team now. Yeah, this has to have uh, deepened your empathy. I mean, you've always been so empathetic and yeah. helpful to people, but this is taking it to another level, it seems. And empathy in that regard to simply um, what I think happens for most people, and again, how people react at the end of the day is... Uh, having a sense of initially feeling hopelessness. I never felt that. I never felt that. That never entered into my mind. And the ability to even uh, more fervently uh, speak to and encourage this audience around the fact, number one, if we will do the things that we know to do and be vigilant and faithful with that, 
listening to our body, following up, uh, detection, doing certain things that we need to do that we should not slough off as just something that may happen to someone else and then allow our faith to be incorporated in that process. There is no reason to be hopeless in the midst of this. Talk about what the Lord means to you going through a, a life crisis like this. Yeah, what really what the Lord means to me going through that, um, and I've used this example before, uh, many, many, many years ago, I met an old lady who had written in her Bible uh, by certain scriptures and principles and promises in a red ink pen, T&P. And uh, I remember hearing this testimony about her life at her eulogy. And uh, the story goes that for every promise that she had in the Word of God that she lived through that came true, she wrote the initials T and P, tried and proven. Oh, yeah. And what I can simply say here today, what I've preached, what I've taught, what I've advocated to cancer patients about the process of Trust the medical system. Partner with someone that you feel comfortable with, loves and cares for you, and is giving you choices and options that then you can buy into. Follow through. Listen to your body. uh, And then trust that the Lord will be part of that process, that he'll empower that, that he'll work in the midst of that, and that there potentially can and will be good things that will come out on the other side of that. I can today sit here and write and say that that's T&P for me. That's been tried and proven. And again, I'm not sure exactly what is still ahead of me. I know what we are theorizing, uh, and we'll see where we end up. But as of today, I can sit here and tell you, based upon just the the surgical experience, uh, I was discharged out of the hospital three days after major colon resection of cancer. Three. I was on an airplane two days after that flying back home. That's a total of six days of having major surgery where I was able to function on a pretty high level uh, being managed for pain with Tylenol. (laughs) God has been tried and he has been proved to me that he will keep his word, that lo, know that I am with you even unto the ends of the earth. I'm with you always, that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, uh, that you will mount up on the wings as an eagle. And that, you know, you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and that your leaves will never wither and that there will always be fruit that will remain. I'm walking, walking under the power and the anointing of God's grace, his mercy, his healing all through uh, prayer, modern medicine and science and the love and support of my community and my family. And today I can sit here and tell you, uh, I believe I can do anything. And that's exactly what the scriptures tells us, that all things are possible through Christ who strengthens them. So my last word of the day is watch as well as pray. Yeah. And I know a lot of people can be praying for you in the days ahead. And I receive that. I can't give thanks for the cancer, but I can give thanks for the lessons you've learned because of the circumstances that you've been through. So glad to have you sitting here, brother. Thank you. God is good. He's faithful. And uh, I'm more in love with Jesus today than I ever been. Uh, I'm going to fight cancer harder than I ever fought it. I had a a very high-powered individual who reached out to me and said, as much as I'm sorry to hear about the news that you've received cancer, I feel even more sorry for the cancer (laughs) 
of what you're going to do to it after now being told that you've been had you've had cancer I, I feel sorry for cancer now and that's my disposition and my attitude cancer is really in trouble at this point because it's got a fight on his hands thank you brother you're welcome my friend I appreciate the opportunity uh, God is faithful and he's good and I have a, a hopeful outlook I'm doing well but let me say this and I haven't said this before if I should die tomorrow next week next month I will have zero regret, and I am loving exactly what God is, has, and hopefully will continue to do in my life, and I thank him for that opportunity. Still will I praise him. Still will I praise him, yet the more, yet the more. God owes me nothing at this point. (laughs) I, I am a fortunate, blessed young man beyond belief. And so with that being said, uh, there will never be a guile word in my mouth toward toward the Father for all that he has done unto me. Praise ye the Lord, all that is within me. Again, I say praise ye the Lord. What a powerful conversation here, one that has impacted me especially, and I'm sure you as well, with Percy McRae here on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. It does lead me to ask you the question, you who are listening, did your cancer journey introduce or clarify a godly calling in your life, just as we heard from Percy? Love to have your response. You can respond at our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. While you're there, download our free resource, Is This Cancer My Fault? There's a provocative question and great answers provided. Is This Cancer My Fault? You can download this free resource at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Now on behalf of Percy McRae, our host, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you this week. Listen again next time to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Hope and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.